And the Oscar goes to Cameron Crowe for Almost Famous. This is the first Academy Award and third nomination for Cameron Crowe. Oh, man. Um, the movie was a love letter to music and to my family. Uh, so I dedicate this to all the musicians who inspire us and uh, to my family. Episode two of Loosely Based, where we look at movies that are based on true stories and we talk all about them as friends. So this week we are doing Almost Famous, which is one of my most favorite movies in the whole wide world. So I'm thrilled. So yeah, I am Dana. I'm Corey. I'm Ben. And we're friends. <laughs> and this is Loosely Based. Really good. So you're the kid who's been sending me those articles from the school newspaper. What do you like, the star of your school? They hate me. This is Rolling Stone magazine. We got a couple copies of your stories. I think you should be writing for us. We can only pay, let me see, $700. I'll write a grand. I'd like to interview you or somebody from your band. Oh, the enemy. A rock writer. Almost Famous is one of my favorite movies. I've seen it like seven times, and that doesn't include when it was on Netflix, and I would just skip to my favorite part and watch that like a couple times a week if I wanted to like feel good about myself or bad, whatever. Love Almost Famous. Penny Lane is bae, and I want to be her so bad. And I did all the research, so I know all of the things. I'm the historian. Uh, I'm Corey. Uh, I've seen almost my third time, I want to say. Oh my God. Third or fourth time. It's a lot. I think I saw it first in a class in high school. It's uh, a fun class. It was a film class. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then once a couple years ago, and then once this past month. And I am your Hollywood liaison. I'm this week's big dummy. Um, I just saw it for the first time like three weeks ago. I thought it was really beautiful. I think my favorite part of it, um, or my favorite thing about it, is that all of the characters have really solid arcs. I'm especially excited to learn about this movie because it does not claim to be a based on a true story movie. So everything that you tell us is true, I'm going to be pretty pumped and pretty surprised. Corey, are you, uh, do you know what's true and not what's true? I saw a little, but like, mm. no, I don't know that much. Okay, cool. Well, so yeah, the first thing is that it's not outwardly based on a true story. They don't have like a little montage at the end. They're not out here saying this is what happened. But Cameron Crowe, who wrote and directed it, was actually a child journalist for... So, like, loosely autobiographical. Yeah, it's loosely autobiographical on... For Rolling Stone? or For do- Rolling Stone, yes. Um, and like, we'll get to all the stuff. So does this movie then like, like, is is there a difference between like, write what you know, and then based on a true story? I I think 
this is autobiographical. Yeah. I think that they just, they held back with calling it autobiographical, especially because they were so, like, through all the research that I've done, it's very clear how important accuracy was to them. And I think that they didn't mm. feel comfortable saying it was based on a true story because they really wanted to, like, represent the time and do more than just, like, tell this specific story. Um, so what you'll find is that there's a ton that was pulled from different experiences that Cameron Crowe had had and other things from the, like, rock and roll world at that time that he was writing. Mm -hmm. Um, but are we basically looking at a based on a true story movie? Like, yeah. Wow. I I mean, I mean. Give a throw percent out. Throw a percent out. Okay. Percentage. I I 70 pops into mind. Wow. That's really good for a based on a true story movie. I'm saying 70%. Has some factual in someone's, at some part of his life. I would say Hmm? 80 if you include like all of truth of things that have ever happened. Wow. To be based on something. That's. That's definitely more than write what you know. Oh yeah, this is not write what you know. This but is, but it's like it's based on because it's like it's a composite of other people's mm-hmm. like a multiple things. You can't say it's based on a true story, right? Because it's right, one person exactly. living like ten different people's lives, right? Into one, got it. But honestly, a lot of it is his life. Like it is crazy. The amount of times in my notes I wrote like "what the heck" and like <laughs> <laughs> and like. Makes me feel like a real doofus because he's like 16 <laughs> writing for Rolling Stone. And I'm like literally 23. How old are you? 17. Me too. Actually, I'm 16. Me too. Isn't it funny? The truth just sounds different. I'm 15. Speaking of so boring. like child prodigies, yeah, a lot of parallels to uh, Frank, Ab- our friend Frank. I know it's all about smart kids on Lucy Base. Um, w- when he was when he was calling uh, Dwight Schrute and that and oh, yeah? the other guy Rain from Wilson. Rain Wilson and the other guy from um, the magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Fong Torres. Yeah, that that seemed exactly. Oh, is that his? Yeah, Ben Fong Torres. Wow, okay. he's a real person. That, <laughs> that seemed like. A, a scene almost like directly out of Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. He's just conning them into giving them, giving him money and giving him a job, <laughs> um, even like, though he was a little kid. Yes, but like obviously so different because he wasn't like out here. He's not. He wasn't like trying to make money or like he was just like loved writing and like met the right people and like got in touch with the right people and like was able to like spread his wisdom to the world. And he's been really successful ever since. He's making good movies. That's what he does now. Yeah. Okay, let's get into his real life. Okay. And like so Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. A.K.A. Will. So the first things that you'll know from the movie are that he grew up with his mom and his sister and that rock and roll wasn't allowed in the house and hmm. that his mom would get mad at his sister for kissing boys <laughs> and that he was really young. He like skipped grades and stuff. And all of that is true. Wow. So he really did, I think, I have it written down somewhere, like how many grades. He skipped at least like. He skipped two, I think. He skipped like kindergarten and then two later on. So like in the end, like three. So yeah, he was like truly graduating high school at 16. That was not at all a stretch. Did he miss school in real life? Do you know that? I mean, I assume that he probably did. I know that he 
he's quoted as saying at some point that he was calling his mom from the road and telling her, I'll be home tomorrow, I promise. You know, like every single day he yeah. was calling his mom and like well, tr- trying to kind of get home, but also like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, so like a lot of that is a truth. Um, and again, obviously it's stretched a little bit, but like I don't think he actually like found out he was young for you know like in the car with his sister and his mom right. when he's like i'm 12 <laughs> i skipped your next grade you're 11 11 so you skipped fifth grade there's too much padding in the grades i taught elementary school 11! this explains so much what happened to his his dad their dad their, his dad died when he was young that is not the case in the movie is it in the movie i don't think it's really clear i don't i don't yeah, remember I don't him being mentioned brought which up. i think if i think it is death honestly yeah i think that he hmm. meant to when like i think it meant to echo his his real situation because yeah. i know his dad died when he was young hmm. um and his mom was a professor um there is there was like i read an article where he was describing his mom and his sister's relationship and like literally exactly his mom would like accuse her of kissing can i add <laughs> like, her of kissing. Yeah. <laughs> and added an anecdote to the how like truthful like the mom character is um there's supposedly like she is quoted saying that like she like read the script and like was uh and like that the mom wasn't oh, yeah. like too shrill and but the only thing she was bothered about by elaine so the real mom's name is alice the character for that Francis McDormand's played is called Elaine, and she was only annoyed that Elaine walked around the house uh, barefoot and without shoes. And that she was like, I would never do that. That's so funny. And Ooh. like, there's then a comment afterwards that Cameron Crowe responded by saying, That's like saying the murder is correct, but I didn't murder her in the red dress because right. I would never wear red. Yeah, there are so many stories of like John Mulaney, JJ Redenbacher, or whatever, the policeman that he makes fun of. Yeah, and his latest special has like a really nitpicking like he he says oh, like, like he gets problem it. With it yeah his like, problem with it is like i would never wear a cowboy yeah hat yeah, 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 that's what it, yeah that's what it is <laughs> that's it's like funny. so many people have such funny like reaction i mean if you think about like if there was a movie made about our lives there'd be like really specific weird things that we wanted them to get correct yeah totally also uh cameron crow really wanted to like not have his mom on set and like not have her meet <laughs> Francis McDormand because he was like, I literally can't deal with this. It's gonna like ruin the character. It was more he just didn't want Francis McDormand to base her off yeah. the person, just wanted to base her off like what she read in the script. Like she didn't right. want to like be influenced by the actual woman. And and then they like met on set and like loved each other and got lunch. And <laughs> yeah, like Cameron Crowe really left and then he came back and he just saw like him and his mom <laughs> like Francis McDormand and his mom just having cat lunch chatting and like was like, <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> He didn't want like two strong personalities to like clash. No, I think or? He, just, he was like worried about the film. He was. He just didn't about... want her to like change how she's playing the character based mm-hmm. off of actually being the mom. He just wanted her to do her interpretation of it. That's but, smart. But, yeah, but th- it took its own course, you know. Yeah, moms have to meet Frances McDormand when they can. Oh man, every <laughs> mom should meet oh Frances McDormand if if they can. Oh my god, I should meet Frances yeah, McDormand I would if lo- I can. I mean, Corey. It, I would meet Francis McDormand if I could. Okay, so at least twice a week. That's our <laughs> official stance. <laughs> we want to. Corey, aren't you like a. I fucking love Francis McDormand. Who oh, am I kidding? That's the <laughs> reason why McDormand. I love this movie, yeah. is truly the mom character, and that's she's it. Really she's amazing. really. 
amazing in this movie. She's amazing in every single yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. she, yeah. It's not news. I'm sorry, I can't concentrate. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. I, I think just from a general perspective, um, looking at the film, the idea is basically there's a young journalist, he gets screwed over by famous musicians, like that's kind of the idea, and then like ends up coming mm-hmm. out with this great article anyway, and like that as like the general idea is what happened, but not necessarily again to a T. So, for example, the band in Almost Famous was Stillwater, Still which... Right was a band that existed in the 70s, but, like, not at all the basis for this film. Um, was there one band that he yes. toured with? Yes. So the band that this was mostly based on was his tour with the Allman Brothers, um, hmm. which I, yeah. A big band. Yeah, a huge band. And it was, you know, he really did write this article. I went through the archives of Rolling Stone and oh. found it, which was really interesting. But well written for say, a sixteen-year-old. Oh, oh my god! Well, that was when I wrote like I feel like a doofus, and because <laughs> I was like I literally can't, I cannot write this well. And I like did the math. I looked looked up Cameron Crowe's age. I like looked up like the date 16, of the article, 17. and I like subtract. And then I was like, How old was he? He, was, I think he was sixteen. Yeah. Wow, sixteen when that article and came a, out. Was it they they toyed with front page in? In the movie. I think it was front page. Wow. That's and crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I have a lot I have a lot to say actually about that article because it's really interesting. The article really focuses on so the Almond Brothers, one of them died. Actually two members of the Almond Brothers band died shortly before he wrote this article. Hmm. So including one of the brothers. So Dwayne and Greg are the brothers, and I don't remember which one died. But basically, the article kind of talks about like how they go on after losing two members of their band, both of them, and like I'm pretty sure freak motorcycle accidents mm-hmm. separately a year mm-hmm. apart. Um, so that the article itself takes like such a different turn than like like the events that led up, like the thing that the article in the movie is about is about their like impending fame and like all these problems. Whereas the article for the Almond Brothers was really really different. But a lot of the experiences still came from, um, still came from when he went on tour with them, and also it's just absolutely insane that he did that as a sixteen-year-old. I can't do so. He it. toured with the Almond Brothers. Yeah. Did he tour with like a Band Aids and Penny Lane? Oh, the band. Oh. That's that's kind. I mean, ugh, there's so many things um, <laughs> to think about, but because it's. It's hard to talk about the movie in like a chronological sense because everything kind because of because like, it's not a one story. Right. It's a mashup. I will of say ideas. that. Um, so Penny Lane herself is based off of like is an amalgamation. I will say so. Okay. A little disappointing is like oh Penny Lane isn't like Penny Lane. Like Got there's it. not a like a seventy year old Penny Lane out there just like mm, fucking yeah. being amazing and like my like idol. What's your real name? I'll never tell. But she's based off of a number of people. One of Cameron Crowe's friends is named Penny Trumbull, who okay. went by Penny Lane sometimes. So that was kind of one of the bases. But also... Um, was she a groupie? Groupie. Oh. We are not groupies. This is Penny Lane, man. Show some respect. We're here because of the music. We are Band-Aids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, me. Um... <laughs> And then there were two other women, B.B. Buell and Pamela DeBar, who she was also based off of. So I think that she's kind of this, like, idealized 
imagination. But of, these people like toured with people, rock bands. To I, were involved in the industry. There's nothing that indicates that they like associated themselves as as band aids. But yeah. I think that okay. like some of them, like some at least one of them did in some capacity. Um, I. I did not do any research after we had picked this episode. Yeah. I do remember seeing, I think on Wikipedia, that he lost his virginity. Ugh, that's a special treat that I had prepared. Fuck me. Deflower. Yeah. Deflower. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's real. That's one of those ones that I read. I think I have a quote somewhere. So he really does lose his virginity by from a group of no, groupies. In that way. Yes. And which that is was exactly what happened to Cameron Crowe in real life. Um, that yes, was weird. Baby. The quote he has about that is I love because it's like so awkward. This is the whole quote. He said, I dot dot dot. That happened to me, said Crowe. That scene was truthful. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> said in that tone. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be that tone. If you go I dot 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 that, it's like, damn, that really did happen to you. That was a weird scene. Let's jump to a category called... I don't know if this is cool in 2018. Oh, yeah. oh I got examples. Yeah. First one, Penny Lane is questionably 16. Billy Crudup's character of Russell oh, is way older, and they have a relationship, and it's gross. But more importantly, the ending scene to My Sharia Moore, <laughs> Penny Lane passed out alcohol oh, yeah. poisoning, yeah. and wow. William lays first... the biggest, fattest kiss on her. I on their know. first kiss so when they're like, bad. when he's like in love with oh, her. Oh, that's right. It was he, their first he's kiss. Like, I love you. And she's yeah. like, and there's like, no you consent. Won't he's like, this. defend it. Like, he has this triumphant, like, yeah, defending geez. her honor, and then he gets a kiss when she's literally passed out. So gross. I know. So, um, guys, that's not cool. No. <laughs> Ever. But wait, wait. Is that real? No. Are you well, sure? anything Thank that's God. the interesting thing that like anything that has to do with Penny in their independent relationship, like there's no evidence because for there's no real person. Okay, yeah. So it seems like a lot of the like plot, a lot of the like things that were designed to like create a story more than like I went on a on a tour, you know, the love story, the the things like that are all made up. Okay, it was any of the, were any of the pennies. Involved in the deflowering. No indication. I do not Ew. think so. It seems like Penny Lane actually might be like the one that he based it off of, like the name. At Penny least. Trumbull. Yeah. Like, uh, there's no indication that like she was around when he was. Like they were on the same album. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's But also, she, Penny Lane didn't help deflower him. She was in the bathroom like giggling. True. That's that's my number two. This is a little weird. Yeah. The deflower. The flower. Yeah, and then. Uh, the most blatant and most weird one was Yikes. high school girls. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you not remember that part? <laughs> that was, was it Jason so Lee's funny. character? No, it was like some random, like was maybe the, the drummer the, was or it something. Was the one with the the bangs? I don't remember who he who's like yeah. he's a no, band member, part. but he's not. He's barely in the. Movie. I think that my thought when I watched that was like. Are men my age like excited to see high school girls, and I just don't know. Ben, you're her age. Uh, I'm not excited to see <laughs> high school girls, and it is settled. Okay, back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the plane scene. I was so torn between this because it seemed so insane. It seemed like such a clear plot device that, like. I was almost like, this has to be true, or else like Cameron C- Crow is like corny as hell. Corny as hell. <laughs> but like, 
That can't be true. Whatever happens, baby, you're dead! Don't be self-righteous, Russell. Not now, man. You were sleeping with Penny, that fucking groupie, last summer up until yesterday. Why didn't you tell Leslie that? Shut up! I quit! I'm gonna kill you! I quit! That groupie? She was a band-aid. All she did was love your band. So it is semi-true. While traveling, with, it combines two. So one time when he was traveling with the Who, he was in a near-fatal planned crash. Oh, my God. And Did they, like... Well, that's, that's, okay. that's the half. Okay. The other half is that one time when he was traveling with the Heart, I don't know exactly what happened, but they had, like, a near-death experience. And the Heart is a female-led rock group. Okay. Um, and his quote about that was, everyone's darkest, most hysterical side came out. Um Afterward, I couldn't believe that the embarrassment could be so large that living was almost second prize. I remember looking <laughs> down a hallway, uh, like walking down a hallway and looking at everyone thinking, we've been in the crucible together and we'll never, I'll never look at you the same way again. That's absolutely insane. Because so, that, yeah, that like, seem, oh my God, it seemed like such a hack move. I know. It was like. And it's based. It's based off those two. So I'm sure he took like the energy from the experience yeah. with the heart and put it into the plane. Yeah. Which I guess that it was chill when he had the plane crash and they didn't have that kind of or the plane accident with the who or whatever. I had to live with you and now I might die with you and it's not fucking fair. At this point, I'm super ready to call this like more based on a true story than than you thought most so right. 70 no than most movies that say they're based on a true story it's just mixy uppy you know yeah just a little mixy. so you're agreeing to the 70 percent thrown out at the beginning well i we haven't uncovered everything <laughs> no no i mean i think it might like in terms of based on a true story movies i think it's possible it could be more like you yeah. said 80 um, with like everything that happened yeah because there are things that are based on life but not his life did the almond brothers have a similar dynamic to Stillwater? i don't think so no so really still water's truly made up yeah yeah obviously like, the name's not but yeah i think they all i think it's essentially made up and if they had a similar dynamic like it's just because of what they had been going through with losing an almond yeah. brother and yeah. another member of so the band like, like th- maybe there were struggles with like like finding fame and things like that but like tbh not top so of like mind. one of the almond yeah. brothers didn't go off to a high school party and get drugged up and jump into oh, the yeah. pool oh no. but I, what but Rockstar did no. they stand and say what is he i'm a god i'm a golden god so Dwayne who was one of the Allman brothers, actually did jump into a swimming pool uh, off a two-story travel lodge in San Francisco. So that's something that, like, essentially did happen during that first Allman brothers trip that he went on as a kid. Wow. Um, which is insane. Like, at a hotel. Yeah, at a hotel. I don't think it was, like, some high school party. Okay, wait, I have to correct myself. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Please do. I said that I think that happened when he was there, but I don't think it happened when he was there. I think it's something that happened with the Almond Brothers, and he heard the story about it. it. And I'm saying that because I'm pretty sure that the one who did it was dead. Yeah. So I just want that to be clear. So yes, what happened was Dwayne Almond jumped off into a swimming pool off a two-story travel lodge in San Francisco before um, Cameron Crowe was involved, but. Still cool that he based it off something. Mm-hmm. Just come up yeah. With it. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, cool. Do you guys have any other things that you were like that can't be true? I mean, I bet you it is true. I just feel like the whole like <laughs> hotel vibe, like when they're just like they took out the entire floor and like oh, everyone's yeah. like walking. But I like, mean, I don't know. It's the but 70s I'm, rock and roll. Like, I'm assuming yeah. that was oh, real. Were, was, were there any stories that like lined up with them driving away from Mark Marin and like busting a, oh, no. the electricity I, did oh. one of them get electrocuted and then they no. couldn't complete the show and that's why they drove no okay. so not the Allman brothers i gotcha but so, kiss guitarist that did happen too so he based that off of but he didn't re- he didn't like he write about kiss no no i'm i'm i don't know maybe i'm just like wondering about having this little 16 year old on your tour bus at like i think that's, that's really super normal as of fucked up time. as it is. Of the time. Of the time. Like, I've read, I don't know if any, anyone out there has read Anthony Kiedis's book, Scar Tissue, Scar Tissue. And he was like, he, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers were popping way after this. And he was traveling around with 16-year-olds. Like, that doesn't surprise me, I feel like. Now, yes. Now yeah. it'd be weird for a little freshman or sophomore in high school yeah. to be like, do-do-do. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't honestly even be surprised if there were some yeah. combination some cool of that that still not me exists in high school. <laughs> now. And it's probably not with rock music. It's probably with, like, because obviously, like, there aren't that many rock musicians right now. But, like, I think that, like, that was super duper normal. Yeah. Super I, I believe that. Um, um, what about that famous editor that Philip Seymour Hoffman plays? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Lester Bangs is, yeah. So, he was an editor for cream magazine just like he was in the movie right. um he sorry i got excited because i know there's a casting what if here for philip Lesser Banks, yeah do you know it? i don't know what the what if i know like he was sick the entire oh, time yeah. filming philip Seymour filmed in four days had the flu the entire time yeah wow jack black <laughs> that's acting baby oh okay yes I knew jack a what if. that yes. makes sense yeah they they occupy but he would have been younger then like he would have been yeah young no philip seymour hoffman didn't been, amazing amazing yeah. amazing job yeah he's, and he's such a good actor. fuck rest in peace <laughs> um so yeah he actually did like cameron crow began corresponding with him and then like meeting him and like seeing him as a mentor and he was the one who like basically like put him on the map when he was so young um and that was all real like it kind of had to be real because how else would he have gotten in the position that he was eventually in so yeah yeah. truly for just from just seeing a picture of uh what's his name again lester bangs Bangs. (laughs) from just seeing a picture of lester bangs i can I can be like, yeah, that was his attitude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I know that I know. he, like, was a rebel and, like, thought that Rolling Stone was, like, such a sellout magazine. <laughs> and, like, these people are not your friends. You know, these are people who want you to write sanctimonious stories about the genius of rock stars, and they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. You know, because they're trying to buy respectability for a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb. You know, and you're smart enough to know that. Like that totally fits the what I, I know of his the time. Detroit w- sucks shirt. I thought it was cool because <laughs> he's from Detroit, so he's allowed to wear it in a cool way. And he has that shirt in real life. I saw a picture of him in it. Wow. So down to the costuming. Good job wardrobe. Good job wardrobe. Let's give a little shout out to wardrobe. <laughs> okay, now that wardrobe has gotten the credit that it deserves, let's take a break for our first ever sponsor 
This episode is brought to you by New York Zone MRG. Check out his debut EP, Live from the Hearst, available now on all streaming services. Follow him at MRG Wing Team on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And get ready for Live from the Hearst 2, set to drop later this year. Okay, back to the show. One thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is not a verifiable fact, okay, but this is like a question for the group of like... Could people act like this? Uh, there's a line where uh, Jason Lee yeah. says to Billy Crudup, we agreed at the beginning, I'm the front man and you're the guitarist with Mystique. <laughs> that was like yeah. another like huge cornball line. And like yeah. if any band agreed on that before like being a <laughs> band, I think that that would that would like relinquish any coolness that they have <laughs> i have no i have no background do for we that line. do we think that any bands like sat down and be like sit, sit oh, down and are like I bet. Lee, you'll be the yeah. guitarist with mystique like He's like honestly like in passing almost like for fun being like <laughs> i'm the front man you're the guitarist miss mystique like i would, I would love l- to be the guitarist with mystique i would literally love to be the front man i'm just you kidding cannot. i hate it <laughs> if i was in a band you could you would not be able to say things like that oh cool that's so lame so- for us doing this podcast i can't be like yeah, On the deep fra- deep. That seems like a perfect thing to say. Yes, I agree. To be like, okay, I'm all of us the tall be one with the deep voice. <laughs> I'll be the That's girl. A phys- <laughs> I'm the tall one. saying our physical descriptions. <laughs> that has nothing this to do with our position. <laughs> anyway, deep voice is true. Uh, okay, I'll be the one with the deep voice. <laughs> all right, back. To I'll be the, the girl. Almost famous. Right, back yeah. to the f- back to the almost famous. Um, okay. One one thing that's interesting that Jason Lee did say was when he was like, just make us look cool. That did really happen. Mm. Somebody said that to Cameron Crowe. Got it. At some point. What were you upset that wasn't true in your Okay, research? wait. First, I want to do the things that I thought could not be true because there's still more things that okay. I was like, By all means, Jana. Okay, so my big cornball thing that I was like, this is so corny, it cannot be true. And mm-hmm. then it was true. And I was like, wow, that's actually so much better now that it's true. Is he literally ran into his sister at the airport on his way home. No way. Yes. He literally <laughs> ran nice. into his sister in the airport on his way home. On the way home from like the big tour yes. to go to yeah. like yes. where he missed his graduation. So it says, yeah, I man. left the tour in an emotional mess and wound up catatonic in the San Francisco airport where I ran into my then stewardess sister, Cindy. She cheered me up and sent me home. Days later, the tape arrived from their house, blah, blah, blah. So little sidebar about what really happened with the Allman brothers is that the night before he left the tour, Greg Allman, um, who is the surviving Allman brother, mm-hmm. got like really fucked up and like paranoid and stole all of his recording tapes before he was oh able to like put together his thing um, and was like, you're the cops and took them. And, <laughs> and Cameron Crowe was like, oh, my God. So that's why he was like the enemy. Dipped. Yeah, the enemy. <laughs> exactly. Um, he called him up to his room and told him to bring all the tapes. Uh, he answered the door. Look, like fucked up doesn't do it justice. He said he looked like he had seen a vision. I've never been more scared in my life. Um, 
he took the interview tapes off of him and that meant that he had very little to include in his story for the magazine i'm wondering about the dichotomy of him being like kind of like a little shrimp and then also being like like it would be obviously so scary if like a major rock star did that to you but like I feel like also so brave to be like writing these stories in the face of like oh he's way older than sixteen mentally wise. I know and yeah. also like that was that was one of the things I had in as like I should have put that in the movie because like it oh, wouldn't yeah. have been that hard to like stretch that and fit it into a movie and I think it's such a great it's like so insane it's more insane than anything I still think the, the crazy like of like what you're just saying like could have fit into the movie. The director's cut of this movie is an extra like forty-five more yeah. minutes. Oh, like shit. he filmed all, he like uh, he wrote one hundred and seventy pages. The normal script is like around one twenty, yeah. one forty. He wrote like one hundred and seventy-two pages and filmed the entire thing. Wow. So there is. I need to see the director's part. cut. The director's cut it. exists somewhere. Okay, let's find it. But <laughs> it's like three hours long because we were like sitting down to watch, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. "This movie's so long," and I was like, "No, that's not oh, what that's so you'll funny. find online." But yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. This also wasn't Cameron like Cameron Crowe when he made this movie was an established Oh yeah. Yes. This was Hollywood post Man, correct? I believe Ridgemont so. High, etc. He is he, Oh yeah, he wrote Yeah, that. he wrote the book. So he's yeah. well established. Yes. Like really well. I think this was partially like kind of like his passion project that he like really wanted to bring out and then he was able to because he had found the success from his previous endeavors. Right. Like Corey said at the beginning, you expect the write what you know stuff to be like your first stuff. Yeah. But this is just like, no. what, like 30 years after Ridgemont High, correct? 18. 18 years. That's a long time. Um, so yeah, that was that's kind of what a lot of the background is based on. Like that was what happened on this trip and why he kind of wanted to tell like mm. this type of story, it seems like. Um so yeah, that's what it means when when she says that at the end of when he runs into his sister, she like basically he goes home and then the tapes arrived at his house with an apology note from Greg Allman and he was able oh. to finish the article without ever having to tell the magazine. So is that wow. is that the substitution for him like actually coming to his house or did he actually come to his house? Well, he went home. No, no, no. Um, oh, like how no, Russell no, Greg no. Allman. He I didn't. Guess. Yeah, I guess that's like the the spiritual equivalent. Yeah, and that was like to add the like, penny aspect to yeah. the film. She sends Russell there, right? Because he thinks he's going to see right. her. But I think, and Corey already said this, but I think it's it is a really interesting thing that like he's so young, and he is the like like maturity leader of the entire group for like the whole movie mm-hmm. and yeah it, he's the moral compass basically. yeah the moral mm-hmm. compass that's what i was looking for <laughs> maturity um, leader i love that <laughs> <laughs> who's the maturity leader of our group i think it's ben deep voice ben. <laughs> <laughs> i'm the maturity leader and you're the girl with mystique <laughs> you know, but truly like every character has this arc including him but like driven by him mm-hmm. like the the mom even the sister who's like barely in it um billy crudup's character like the greg allman character Russell. like comes to terms and and he's like even though there's some weird icky not okay for 2018 stuff like mm-hmm. the protagonist is defending like the correct things yeah. and except for when he kisses her yeah <laughs> well he he performs a gross action for sure yes but uh yeah he when 
He's a good guy. In the betting scene. Oh, that would be a... <gasps> That's oh. an interesting story. Well, I don't know anything about the truth of that scene, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But my favorite part of the whole movie, the part I used to like go back and mm-hmm. just watch, <laughs> is because I think it's such a raw emotional moment that like I've ver- I've not seen in literally any other film that like hits me so deeply is when um, the boy tells her that she got. Um, mm traded off for a six pack of beer or whatever and then she looks back over her shoulder with the single tear dripping from her eye and she goes what kind of beer (laughs) i'm serious i don't know you know you don't you can laugh all you want but like it like literally means so much to me it makes me cry a lot (laughs) (laughs) maybe it is love as much as it can be for somebody... Who sold you to Humble Pie for 50 bucks in a case of beer? I was there. I was there. What kind of beer? <laughs> Would you mind going deeper into it? Like what you feel about that? Oh my God. I feel everything about it. I would say that I think that she as a character Mm -hmm. as, as somebody who is highly emotional, like seeing her as a character, like generally seem so emotionless and like free and like happy and like able to essentially pretend that she has it all under control and like it's all happening and everything's great and like she lives this crazy life and then to see that one singular moment that basically like puts her entire persona into like reality and is like no she's not just like some psychopath like fun girl who Mm -hmm. like can have fun all the time like she like behind that veneer which is an amazing veneer of positivity and like energy clearly that like brings so many people in mm-hmm. is like this deep honest like pain that shows up literally for a moment and then obviously later when she's having her quaaludes issue <laughs> but like that's more in the way that you would expect yeah. you know in this one particular moment i think that it just gets at the core of like still trying to stay within the persona that she's created for herself but like she can't she has to she's sad you know so she cries one tear and she really reckons with that too she has the arc of of you know sending billy crude like taking on some of the moral responsibility yeah and then you know like thinking about what like she really wants for herself instead of just like having fun by going Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. morocco at the end Mm. so cute when she goes to morocco and her sunglasses (laughs) i love her yeah (laughs) it's it's remarkable that so many of the relationships that are in this movie are true like that he it's he seems to have Mm -hmm. stayed so true to his relationship with his mom and his relationship with his sister but it is sad that like the best character like what yeah. a, what an amazing person that person like penny lane would grow up to be i know well petty trumbull lives in oregon and is involved <laughs> in the music industry that's what i read about her so 
maybe some of it's her. They're all so beautiful. Look them up. Um, all of the Penny Lane components. Yeah. Like BB like <laughs> Buell. Beautiful in appearance. appearance and wise. it looks like spirit as well. Okay, Sometimes good. you can see. Yeah. Um, just kind of by their energy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's my favorite scene. Did you guys have other favorite scenes? Yes, I do. What? My favorite scene is when uh, when Russell gets on the phone with his oh, mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And it, and Prime Francis McDormand scene. Oh, my God. And the mom just starts going like, like at first she's yelling at him for like, like, get my son home or whatever. But then she just goes so like full on mom with him and... Uh, and she, I think one of her send-off lines is, now you go do your best. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is definitely my favorite part. And, and yeah, 100% prime I think, Frances McDormand. I, think, I mean, I just think that's her. I don't think anyone else could have delivered that so oh, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I speaking to you clearly? Yes, yes, ma'am. If you break his spirit, harm him in any way, keep him from his chosen profession, which is law, something you may not value, but I do, you will meet the voice at the other end of this telephone, and it will not be pretty. Do we understand each other? Uh, yes, ma'am. I didn't ask for this role, but I'll play it. Now go do your best. I can't believe how amazing she is. Yeah, yeah that's an amazing scene. I agree. Uh, my favorite scene, like, sans Franz McDormand, so any of, like, her interactions, because obviously, obviously those are those top are notch. the top 20 um, scenes for you. I love when they <laughs> sing Tiny Dancer. Okay, so I have a little fact about that. In one of the interviews that somebody did with Cameron Crowe, they were just saying, like, have you, like, did you have that experience? And he was like, I've had that experience so many times that like that that particular like song and like scene in the movie like no it wasn't based on one experience but like the amount of times that like music mm-hmm. brought these bands together like singing a song they mm-hmm. loved it was mm-hmm. like uncountable basically and like it in saying that he was just like emphasizing also the fact that like these bands actually like no matter what bullshit they were getting up to and this is the reason he included it but like no matter what bullshit they were getting up to, it was always like deeply about music. And that's why like music had the capacity to like bring them out of whatever ridiculousness they were going through. So I thought that was really heartwarming. Yeah. Also, he loves Elton John. That's really beautiful too, because it's like people that know, know so much about like, like it's a, it's a, it, <laughs> 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 uh, that's an experience that, uh, you know, everyone has had is just like singing in a car with like all your mm-hmm. friends. But then imagine if like all of you guys knew so much about like what it takes to yeah. make that's like that type of song. Yeah. So beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Let's move on to casting because this movie is crazy with the cast. It. Just on the bass level, just the fronts. We have Francis McDormand, Billy Crota, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jason Lee, Kate Hudson. Anna Paquit, Zoe Deschanel, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and then like cameos, Jay Baruchel, Eric Stonetree, uh, Mitch Hedberg, Peter Frampton, who like wrote most of the music because he was in the band, uh, 
I forget the band yeah. name, but he helped write the music and he like played the manager of that band. Uh, Mark Marin. And now I'm blanking, but that's a um, crazy cast. Nick Swarsden. True. Rain Wilson. Nick Swarsden. Yeah, Nick Swarsden. Rain Wilson. Um, All very quick and briefly. Quick, quick, quick fun fact that I have. J- Jay Baruchel, he's... He plays Little Kid. He's the Little Kid. Little Kid named Vic was a very famous diehard Led Zeppelin fan who existed in real life. Aww. So he wasn't That's just nice. tossed in. That's you know? such a nice tribute. I know. Anyway. To some random fan. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so that's, like, the basis. Like, if you just want to, like, discuss the cast and, like, how it's crazy that, like... I mean, the funniest one is that it's just Jimmy Fallon, who is now, like, oh, very much known no. not as an actor when he comes in as the manager. Okay. Supposedly, Will Forte, also an SNL alum, was screened or, like, auditioned for that role, but clearly didn't Will get Forte it. Will Forte would But Will Forte is a much better actor 100 now. times better. I hated the whole Jimmy Fallon part and character. Yeah, it's not the best part of the movie, for sure. And also, like, doesn't seem to really be based off of anything concrete. So, like... Why is that in there? I Get that know. out. Okay. Get Jimmy Fallon the heck out of this movie. Do you think it was like before everyone knew that he was insane and annoying? He had just started. He was like in the beginning years of SNL. So he was still the cute. I'm not boy. I'm not even like a, a huge Jimmy Fallon hater. I just really hated that part and like him in it. Is he in like any other serious movies in the course of his career? Fever Pitch? An excellent fucking movie. Serious movies. No. Yeah, I think also it's a weird thing because like that's where you draw the line. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well he should not be. <laughs> no, I just like assume constantly that like anything. I like I thought of that whole part as a joke because Jimmy. Like it didn't occur to me that Jimmy Fallon wasn't trying to be comedic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, casting I what ifs. The biggest one is that Russell Billy Crudup's role was originally written for Brad Pitt. But after Ooh. months of working with Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt just turned to Cram and Crow and, Be- and was just like, I just don't get enough to do it. And I don't get enough. He's like, I just don't get enough of like the situation. to. He like, didn't do get this. it. He was like, I don't really get this. I don't get it enough to do it. I've heard uh, Brad Pitt was up for like so many roles and every role that I hear, I'm like, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. It makes me. Oh, yeah. Billy Crowdup does an incredible job. Like. Well. I think it would be weird. he just, like, doesn't get good things. Because, like, if you don't get this, then you're, like, you're, like, a lost cause. Yeah, I'm not he a just big... didn't get the... All right, we hate Jimmy a... Fallon and we hate Brad Pitt. I'm not Pitt. a big Shitless. Brad Pitt person. He did leave, I think, to film Fight Club, though. Like, that was... He uh, got uh, the Fight right. well, Club script and was like, I think I'm going to do this other movie. Good for him. Yeah. And that was both... a really good one that I like a lot. <laughs> we both found fits there. Others, Elijah Wood screen tested for William... Okay. Um, which I'm glad is just it wasn't him. so. His yeah, eyes are distracting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he could never have been the Hobbit if he was well. <laughs> Big Bird. <laughs> Not in a bad um, way. Like your uh, eyes can be positively distracting, but in this case, like Steph Curry. Penny Lane <laughs> so true. was originally written for Sarah Polly, who I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, she's like, don't not really that famous of an actress. Um, she had an indie film to do, so her scheduling didn't work. And Kate Hudson was originally playing. Was auditioned and like signed on, I think, to do Zoe Deschanel, the sister's character, hmm. but then got moved. Which I, I mean, obviously now I only see the movie how it is. Listen, and I think like Zoe's good in that role, and Kate Hudson's good in the role she, as Penny Lane in the end. It, there, it couldn't be any other way. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, actually, I. Ha- <laughs> it just has to be Kate. 
Right? Yeah, it's and just that's Kate. N- that's Zoe not Deschanel something. Chanel is good. Like, did a good job in the role, but I yeah. think like also could have been someone else. I guess I'm I'm firing at a lot of actors here, but who do we also hate? Kate Hudson? No, 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 uh-huh. no. Oh my god, I was gonna flip the table. No, I'm just saying, it has to be Kate Hudson. Is not something you say that often. Like a role has to be Kate. Hudson. I mean, this is her best and. Mm-hmm. Best role. You disagree, <laughs> Tana? I actually totally agree. I'm just thinking about how good of a fit she was in yeah, this movie, so I'm shaking my head and saying, mm, like, I'm satisfied. Scarlett Johansson auditioned for a role that was later cut, so she could have also been one of those, like, whoa, 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 was that? <laughs> As you? that always happens in this movie. Supposedly, Uma Thurman turned down the role of Penny Lane. Bye, um, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like, don't care. I'm like good. I never would have done it as good as. Um, it wasn't Jason Lee's singing voice. If that hurts you, is it Billy Crudup? No. Oh, I guess Billy Crudup is not. He's the, the guitar man with yes. Mystique. Sorry, Let's sorry. not forget I think, that. I think Jason Lee overacted. Oh, joins the category of Jimmy Fallon then. Well, he didn't overact to a point of. Ugh, I okay, on a yeah. scale of Jimmy Fallon to Francis McDormand, <laughs> Jason Lee is teetering to Jimmy Fallon. Uh, no, he did. I would. I would agree. I think he overacted, but I'm. I also am not like firing him. Yeah. You know. I think you need just like I believed that Jason Lee, in terms of the rock world, like kind of lame. You are so mad about him saying guitarist with Mystique, and the whole <laughs> room can tell. <laughs> I think that he did a decent job of being annoying. Yes, that's what that's what and I was looking for. And that's what he was trying to be. That's what he was for. Yeah. But he was trying to be annoying. Oh I agree. God. Russell was so cute. Um, I think just the craziest thing, like looking into this film, is that like this, and it makes sense, obviously, like once you like think about it, is that like this movie had a budget for their music of three point five million when like normally it's 1.5 from like most like big movies have like a music uh, budget of 1.5 million and theirs was 3.5 because it was just like classic hits like a big name no name yeah. big name songs and supposedly like to get the led zeppelin songs uh he sh- showed them a private screening and they were like okay yes we will give you mm-hmm, our songs because they don't give their songs away like literally yeah ever. wow so cam and co was blessed by an angel yeah you and that's smart. You need you need that, and you definitely need like Tiny Dancer. All the music yeah. is, is no, on point. Yeah, I've been obsessed with Tiny Dancer ever since. Like listening to, like pulling it up on YouTube and like watching the lyrics go by and singing it in private because <laughs> I loved it so much. Cameron Crowe wrote all the Stillwater music with Peter, Peter Frampton, Frampton yeah. who's the was a musician of that day, that's, and that's his big. old ex-wife. Who used to be a member of Heart? Right. Oh, his ex-wife Nancy Wilson, Amazing. formerly a band uh, in the band Heart. Heart. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So. Wait a second. You he, know Nancy Wilson? No, but he uh, wrote about Heart and toured. Yeah, her. exactly. Yeah. Well, and then they got married. Cameron, Cameron Crowe was married yes, to Nancy Wilson. Yes. And yes, okay, I've got it. I figured it out. I've made the web. We've arrived. They were the ones who were in the like had the near-death experience, and it, they were also embarrassed afterwards. That was the band Heart. Right, and, yeah. and then he married one of those yeah, people. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> well, when you were I don't know your the details. deepest, darkest secrets. He was probably like, I love you, Nancy Wilson! And, and she she's like, like yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and then they could not live without uh, each other. I Until guess. they got divorced, because such is life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, what did you want to say, though, before okay, I, I cut you off? I just wanted to say that the four actors rehearsed for four hours a night Five nights a week for six weeks so that they like looked and felt like a real rock band. Yeah. And 
I'm obviously that's what before. Brad Pitt couldn't do. Yeah, he was like, I don't really get why it has to be five nights a week. Yeah. I think it was about a six-month thing, and we rehearsed as a band for six weeks with wow. all vintage gear in wardrobe. The actresses who played the, the Band-Aids would hang out, and, and it felt like we were in a real band. And because Cameron lived it, it was so true to life. I'm lucky to have been uh, the lead singer of that band in that movie because it was so damn real. It was awesome. Did anyone sleep with, like, each other's wives? Mm, no indication, but I imagine the but answer such is as rock a and million roll. times yes. <laughs> um, that's what I think about that. Okay. In the, in the history of rock and roll, someone has slept with someone's wife. So my favorite game with loosely based films is the glam up, but I don't mm. think you can really play it because this movie is so not like based fully on one true story and it's like hard to piece. Right. And if anything, they all get the glam up. Everyone is I so know. beautiful in this film. So well represented. Yeah. I'm trying to think if anyone got like slighted. Anyone comes off as bad. Like the manager does. Yeah. But like, but like even the end, I think they're okay with him being skinny. No, no, no. Before the one that Jimmy Fallon's brought in, like their original manager. Jimmy Fallon's oh, yeah. for being yeah, a He did not get a glimmer. Okay, Jimmy Fallon's character was based off of a real person, believe it or not, named Irving Azoff. Like, we don't know enough about him to know if yeah. Jimmy Fallon did an awesome job or a bad job, but he did exist in real life. Is there anything else that you learned was true about Cameron Crowe's life that you were like, yeah. we got to put that in the movie? There was one thing. At I mean, least nothing, the director's cut. Nothing massive. There was one thing where, where he was talking about, like, I think I got it from maybe the Allman Brothers piece, but basically the Allman Brothers were talking about how they were so poor. And so, like, mm-hmm. they really did drive around in the Econoline van. Like, they really did. Mm-hmm. Like, before they were the Allman Brothers, we know they were, like, poor versions of the Allman Brothers. And they, they were this a rambling sti- man. They were a rambling man. Yes. <laughs> um, so th- I like the story. It said we barely had enough money to make it, and when we came across the Golden Gate Bridge, we couldn't scrape up the toll between the eleven of us. We had to park and go around hitting people up. Hey, we're the Almond Brothers, and we're playing the Fillmore. We'll let you in free if you give us a dime. Wow. And I think that that could have been so cute in the movie. You know, that's so crazy. But then that just like you just then change like still waters like fame. I feel like if you were like they were this poor. But I mean, like, that's like a crazy yeah, story. But, like the Almond Brothers, when they were doing this, they were famous enough to be like, we're the Almond Brothers. Like, uh, do, you know, yeah. I don't I think mm-hmm. I don't know. But I thought that was cute and like crazy. And I thought it was cool. Do we know, like, besides Cameron Crowe, where any of these people are? Well, Penny Lane is... Penny a Lynn's living in Oregon. Is three, is three beautiful old women. <laughs> yes, three beautiful older, older older women than us. Um, how's, his, how's his mom, oh, how's his mom and sister doing? So actually, one thing that like wasn't true that was in the movie was that they all kind of reconciled after, um, after like yeah. she brought him home. And the truth is that his mom and his sister didn't speak for 10 years and they actually only reconciled they actually only reconciled after the movie came out because of the movie oh wow I mean, look what Francis McDormand and I Zoe know. Deschanel did I know they reconciled after wow. the movie what a beautiful out. thing of you having to see your life portrayed on screen to be <laughs> like oh this is crazy let's <laughs> talk yeah so that's a great I think that's a really beautiful special fact that's better than all the 
Hollywood glitz and glamour. I it's know. getting your, your family back together. I know. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Dana, how many times did you cry during this movie? Like, this time, honestly, zero times. But When you first saw I, it, what did the movie do to you? How many times did you cry? That's a great question, and we should use this for all movies, because I cry in every movie. But um, <laughs> so I would say... Trying to think of tearjerker moments, honestly, probably like three times. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good I'm amount. Like, it's healthy. Yeah. All right. I love to cry. What's everyone's favorite song from the movie? I know I said Tiny Dancer <laughs> was my favorite moment, but My Sharia Moore is my favorite song. When is My Sharia Moore? During the gross time where, well, she's puking and he's just watching Aww. and it has the beautiful juxtaposition where it's my Sharia more and this nice midwestern couple's like ah! pumping her stomach oh, in really? the beautiful That's bathroom really and it's like my Sharia more clearly i know the Stop. other lyrics uh mine is definitely hold me close <laughs> i don't remember <gasps> other s- songs that well i remember character development <laughs> yeah all right let's sign off on that <laughs> character <laughs> development um penny lane francis mcdormand like what character? like who developed the beautifulest just, for you or who you're like mm, yes or just say a name say your own name <laughs> Will, william the uh william. mature mature leader 16 year old what did i call him Mat- the enemy the enemy, the enemy. Uh, all right that's all we got signing off Penny. Francis. <laughs> William. Bye. Bye. The theme music for this episode was made by Danny Kelleher. The podcast artwork was done by Caroline Mortensen. We are produced by Jacob Greenberg and Sam Kahn. Special thanks to Donna Whalen, who's the host of another podcast called We Are Rhonda. Check it out. If you enjoy Loosely Based, Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. If you would like to advertise anything at all, suggest a movie, or just say, hey, message one of the hosts or send an email to looselybasedpod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week talking about cool runnings. Thanks for listening, and see you then.